Hello, hello. Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. Man, I'm really starting to turn into a drive-time radio DJ. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like an, like an AM radio personality is happening. Yeah, we're here with Mandy and Hambone <laughs> talking about <laughs> Edgar Wright's favorite movie, Repulsion from 1965. Wait, uh, really? Huh? I, I'm assuming so. I just recently... <laughs> well, Pliskin must have heard the hand boning and yes. came out. Uh, I, I just recently watched Last Night in Soho. Uh, have you seen that? Yep. Uh, I, there's a lot of that movie in this movie. Yeah. Or I should say vice versa. Yeah, I'm really glad you actually brought that up because now I'm understanding which movie I thought that I kept thinking of while we watched this one. Ah, yes. You clarified things for me. Thank you. Yes. Uh, this is number twenty nine on our list with a ninety five percent Rotten Tomato score. That uh, it sounds like you have some thoughts about the the, the placement. Yes, <laughs> it has an eighty six percent audience score. I would like to just point out. I went on to Rotten Tomatoes to to find what the audience score was, and it has a "You might also like" section. Oh, and this movie, which is a like a psychological thriller about uh, a woman, kind of losing her mind due to various factors that we'll being get into. repulsed yes um <laughs> i might also like if i enjoyed this movie pusher 2 which is the second movie in the nicholas winding refn uh pusher series about drug dealers in denmark uh, ken russell's the devils okay across 110th street which is what? a fantastic movie but is uh is like the more black exploitation version of in the heat of the night oh okay white, you know white cop black cop <laughs> italian white cop races to black cop they have to team up to fight the got it got it uh the man who fell to earth oh and john woo's the killer uh, <laughs> which when uh, i watched this uh, movie uh, what you might have been thinking of last night in soho when you watched this movie uh-huh. i was thinking of john woo's the killer okay and, and this the is the difference there. between you and i yes yeah uh anyway had you seen this movie before no no i knew nothing about this other than uh it was done by roman polanski yes this was one i had not seen i thought i had maybe watched some of it but Mm. i think i was thinking of his other apartment based movie that is not rosemary's baby which is the tenant the tenant yeah which i don't uh remember if i finished it that was an early netflix disc rental (laughs) That I think I might have tried to watch a couple times and mm. just ended up sending it back. But um, had not seen Repulsion. I had heard a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about this movie quite a bit. Um, I think there's a section in uh, House of Psychotic Women. That would make sense. About this. She belongs in that house. Yes, I think this. She's a preeminent roommate in that house. I think this is one of the like the, the core House yeah. of Psychotic Women texts. Yes, um, but yeah, I was looking forward to it. I had not seen it before. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll play the trailer for you. We'll I jump think we right into do it. This is Carol Ladue, young, beautiful, desirable. Men found her irresistible, but something is happening to her. Something that she doesn't quite understand. And soon she will be swept up in a frantic fury of repulsion. Ah! Repulsion, 
a frightening film that takes the everyday world and distorts it. look at the dark side of innocence losing control repulsion a shocking plunge into the nightmare world of a young woman's sensual fantasies Okay, Repulsion from 1965, directed by Roman Polanski, written by Roman Polanski, Gerard Brock, and David Stone, starring Catherine Deneuve, Ian Hendry, John Frazier, Yvonne Fernot, and a yummy, yummy rabbit dinner. <laughs> Amanda, what happens in Repulsion? In Roman Polanski's first English-language film, beautiful young manicurist Carol suffers from androphobia, the pathological fear of interaction... Androids with men oh sorry when her sister and roommate helen leaves their london flat to go on an italian holiday with her married boyfriend carol withdraws into her apartment she begins to experience frightful hallucinations her fear gradually mutating into madness Mm -hmm. yeah pretty much yeah this one's a pretty accurate description yeah yeah well, Clay, some things you'll find in repulsion include Mm -hmm. your best bib and tucker yes i I don't know what that means. I have no idea. I guess it means to look, it's put on you your best feel clothes. Like going on a spree. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not English. <laughs> From 1965. No. No. No, I don't say silly things. Uh, what about feet washing in the hand sink? Disgusting. <laughs> There's a bathtub right there. I love how much you hate this one. Ugh. I love. <laughs> I I I hate it as much as she hates the fact that he puts his razor in her glass, which Ugh. I also. That's pretty gross. Yeah, that is pretty gross. Yeah. I'm assuming she uses that glass to like drink water. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, a little bit. Empty glass in the bathroom, probably easy to just like drop your shit in there. Yeah. Um, as a s- man would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the same time, anyone who is considerate might not do that in a house they don't live in yes yes yeah we will also find extended street corner ham boning <laughs> no it's actually if only you had spoons to play yeah yeah, yeah those guys 
they hang on those guys I for a while. Love them. And I am happy when they do. I am I they're my favorite part of the movie. Yes, I feel <laughs> like every t- I feel like she looked at them and was like these are the only men yes. who I Yes, who I would like to allow into society. Uh you'll also When will these men ask me on a date? Yeah. <laughs> all three of them though. Yes. Has to be the the total package. All or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh you'll also find 60s British wrestling. Yeah. That was. I'm always happy when you find wrestling in the background somewhere. Would you have been happier if this whole movie was just 60s British wrestling? Um, this movie specifically, no. But I would like to see a movie that is entirely 60s British wrestling. Fair. Yeah. Uh, the shortest sex scene since Halloween. Yes, there was a. I couldn't decide if that was um, ratings based. <laughs> Or if it was, if they were trying to say something with, mm. with how quickly that set. Well, the first sex scene is, I mean, it's not long, but no, it's longer than the second. It's one. It's longer than the second one. Yeah, we'll get in. We'll get into it. Also, this is apparently the uh, the first. What is it here? The first uh, features the first depiction of female orgasm sound only <laughs> to be passed by the British Board of Film Censors. Wow. Yes. Congratulations, Repulsion. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Equality has been achieved. <laughs> Opened the door for all those other movies. <laughs> and lastly, you will find The Passage of Time Illustrated Via Potatoes. Sometimes a character grows a mustache. Yep. Sometimes you just do a fade dissolve yep. on a clock. You come back to a, to a town and it's shabbier than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And other times... You just have a potato that gets grosser and grosser. Yep, sprouted potatoes. Yes. So, Repulsion. Yes. Uh, Should this movie be called Roman Polanski's Men Are the Worst? (laughs) I think this movie should be called um, (laughs) Roman Polanski's Highly Ironic Movie Considering the Rest of His Life. Yeah, that's the the interesting... Yeah. uh, What's the metatextual element of this yes, which i would kind of like to I, I know we're doing it but i would like to just address it out the gate so mm-hmm. we don't have the sort of weird elephant in the room of like hey roman polanski made this and mm-hmm. uh that might make you hate it yeah um or you might not give a shit yes unfortunate human being fantastic filmmaker sure plenty of those yes unfortunately <laughs> um yeah what is it as the kids say your fave is problematic yeah, problematic fave <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he seems to be between this and Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. He seems to be pretty keyed in on what how to gaslight women. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm not like making any aspersions about him or in that way. But like, right. It's interesting that he has these two movies. You could almost kind of see this one as a bit of a, a warm up for Rosemary's Baby. Absolutely. That are so well tuned fine-tuned to things that are um i think i think rosemary's babies is more correct me if i'm wrong here but i I feel like rosemary's baby is more fine-tuned to specifically things that women would notice Mm. whereas this is a little bit broader where it's like all these guys are acting like shitheads like there's there's some there's more subtle stuff in here where with the way that the people are interacting with Carol. Yes. But there's a lot more broad stuff in this. For Rosemary's Baby, you, you kind of, it kind of takes a, it's not immediately 
uh, apparent on your, at least I didn't find it was mm-hmm. when I watched it the first time when I was like 15 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> How much of the stuff that is going on is like very subtly destructive to yes. her. Yeah. By everybody around her. Right. Right. And I think the difference is that <clears throat> Rosemary um, is is pretty normal mm-hmm. at the beginning, beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right. You know, she's married. She's just living her life. Like she's also surrounded by people who are supposed to feel relatively normal mm-hmm. for at least parts of the movie. Whereas we're kind of tipped off right away in repulsion, which I'm going to almost call possession the entire time <laughs> we record this. Um, that Carol, there's something up with Carol. Right. Like we, we know that right away because the, the, the movie opens with us sort of zooming out from her her eye as she just kind of sits and stares off into space while she's supposed to be doing her job. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's not she's not gamely participating in the world the way Rosemary tries to. Rosemary yes. tries to just be like, no, everything's fine. This is okay. This is how things are supposed to go. Like, sure, maybe everything's not perfect, mm-hmm. but like Rosemary wants to believe yeah. that the world is sane and and that she's the one with the problem, whereas Carol very much believes that the world is the problem. Yeah, and I would also say a difference, too, is Rosemary, um, people in Rosemary's Baby are actively um, being malicious towards her, where yes. in this, in Repulsion, I don't think people are considering Carol at all. Yeah. And that's a big part of what this movie's kind of like bringing to the forefront. Yeah. Like the... Um, <clears throat> the the uh sexual and gender dynamics of this movie mm. are very interesting yes um, <laughs> again especially coming from roman Polanski. right yeah like uh, i would like to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and just maybe assume that his wife an unborn child being horribly murdered like broke his brain and mm. but i know that humans don't always work like that i it's just it's it's I it's it is a it is a oddly thoughtful and it's it's a thoughtful and considerate kind of like look at yeah wh- uh, the way that women are treated a lot of the times and through through especially through her eyes too yes. which is the most interesting part where yeah. it's like not only is he just showing this stuff but he's doing it through her eyes mm-hmm. in a way that feels f- even though it's part of her sort of psychosis feels oddly honest about yeah. the way things actually kind of play out a lot of the times. Yeah, because I, I and I think one of the key things about this movie is that Carol is stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie would work if she was just like relatively pretty or kind of plain. Yeah. I think part of the point of this is that she is so gorgeous that it it she impacts those around her through her physical presence, not through her as a person. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, the, the men and the women around her react to her based on how she looks. Yes. As though she were an object, yeah. not on how she speaks or her emotional or inner life. Like those things don't really seem to concern many people in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, and I think that part of it is that the assumption is just kind of, you know, oh, well, she's beautiful and that's her 
main quality. Right. That is the thing she's on this earth for is her yeah. beauty. And and beyond that, we don't have to pay attention. And it's interesting too because they, everyone outside of her house kind of treats her mm-hmm. as though she's just sort of an object. Mm-hmm. Whereas her sister is the one who's kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Go, to, go to work. <laughs> You know, she doesn't, I mean, her sister's gorgeous too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> she, yeah doesn't but have, she doesn't have time for, it's like, it, it feels more honest as a, as a sisterly relationship where it's like, she's yes. like, she's just my sister. Get off your ass, go to work. I do think there's a little bit of underlying resentment there though. Okay. Because yeah. I think there is an attitude of, you know, Helen is her sister. Mm-hmm. She's older. It's her flat. Mm-hmm. She obviously also works some kind of job she's the one who handles the rent and deals with the creepy landlord and kind of cooks dinner and keeps the place decent and keeps Carol like, what are you doing? Get dressed. You have to go to work. Like, I think that it's that attitude you see sometimes with, with siblings, I think, and I don't know this cause I don't have any sisters. Um, but I think you can slip into it, especially when you're s- siblings of the same gender where mm-hmm. you can't help, but compare yourselves. Sure. Yeah. And I think, there's a little bit of this attitude from Helen of she's the beautiful one. So she gets to sort of drift around and be flighty and, 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 you know, stare off into space. I'm not as beautiful as her Mm. or I'm not considered as beautiful as her. So I'm the practical one. I'm, I'm the older sister. So I have to take care of her and I have to actually like go out in the world and make a mark. Somehow people aren't remarking on me just because I walked down the street I'm the one who has to take care of all the practical stuff. And that's why she's when I think when Carol's like, but why are you leaving? Where are you going? Why are you going to be gone? Don't go so long. And she's just like, I need to be able to go live a life. I need to be able to get out of this house. You need to learn how to be fine with that. Right. There's a little bit of that sort of like trying to, to push her out of the nest, I think. Yeah. And the thing that's fascinating about that relationship is, um, Helen doesn't seem to realize that there's something deeply wrong with Carol. Yeah. And I think if she did, their relationship might be a little bit different. Absolutely. Um, And that's, I think that's part of it too, where no one in this movie considers Carol at all, really. Yeah. Uh, even uh, handsome English Norm MacDonald there. Oh, you mean that smooth boy? Yes. <laughs> You know, Colin. He's, His name is Colin. He's the closest thing she has to a relationship, even though I'm not totally sure what their relationship is, because the way that he and his friends talk about her, it sounds like it's sort of like a new thing. But the way she interacts with him, it feels like it's like she, he has her phone number and knows where she lives and stuff. So I'm not totally sure what their yeah. relationship is. I kind of got the vibe. We're we're supposed to feel like we're coming into Carol's life kind of in media race. Yeah. You know, like she's she lives here. She and her sister are obviously and here is is South Kensington in London, which uh my husband was very excited about <laughs> because he briefly lived there himself. Um and he like recognized it right away when she was walking down the street. He mm-hmm. was like, "Holy shit, I know that street." And I was like, well, that's we where I was repulsed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, they're, they're foreigners. Mm-hmm. They've moved to London. They have jobs. The sister has a boyfriend 
I think we're supposed to feel very much like we have come into her life as it has been going in this moment. Right. So yeah. I think she knows Colin. Like, I think they've met before. It's clear he's like been trying to date her. Mm-hmm. Um, because he knows to sort of be on the lookout for her in the neighborhood when she's at work. Right. Yeah. Um, which is uh, its own creepy thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how to read that. I as as someone who has never had to deal with that kind of thing, <laughs> I don't know when that crosses the Men line aren't into just creepy. Like coming up to you while you try to eat lunch, being like, "Hey, no uh, one is. You could do eat better than this. I'll take you." To I lunch. I look like a caveman when I eat. <laughs> no one, male or female, is coming up to me and expecting to, you know, leave with all ten fingers. <laughs> I mean, no one's coming up to me anymore either because I'm a woman over 30. (laughs) Um, But when I was under 30 and living in downtown Boston, it could be tough. Yeah. There were days where it was really exhausting Mm. to just be like young and maneuvering a city by yourself as a woman. Yeah. And I think plenty of women feel that way plenty of men know women who have dealt with that stuff or have seen it happen um it's 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 so interesting to me that this movie is i mean jesus what is this a 60 year old movie yeah and a lot of the things she deals with just existing as a woman in a metropolitan area still feel really relatable Mm. and and very true to life nobody on the street sort of goes out of their way to be really aggressive towards her it's all these small things it's it's you're just trying to cross the street and some guy on his break from his construction job yells at you right or some dude comes up and tugs your hair because he thinks that's cute i mean when i had sort of like a faux hawk thing going on i would have men come up and run their hands through my hair yeah yeah that's not cool (laughs) it's real gross um but on what planet does that seem okay? I mean, it's not about okay or not. I know. It's a, if this feeds perfectly into our conversation where you're not considering this, right. this woman as a person. Yeah. She's an object. She's something beautiful that you want a piece of. I, can't, I, can't, I, I just can't imagine doing that or having that done to me and that and not ending up with someone getting a black eye because of it. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> It's not fun. We'll just we'll, I, we'll. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not. I imagine it's not. Yeah, but it but it, and it and it it does wear on you psychologically, and it it's it's a strange place to find yourself when you feel so hyper visible, just trying to like go to CVS to get Pepto Bismol because you have food poisoning. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you feel awful. You feel like you look like shit. Mm-hmm. And you're trying. Well, isn't that just... one you would most want someone yeah. to point out that you're hot? Honestly, it's you know, it's, it's <laughs> some of the guys who would be like, "Oh, what's wrong? You should cheer up, smile." And then when you don't, <laughs> you're like, "I've been shitting for twelve <laughs> hours." <laughs> well, when you don't, you have like what the man a couple months ago in front of the CVS said to me, which is, "You need to fix your face." <laughs> I said, "Thank you. I will take that under advisement." Well, that's just funny. Will you pay for it? <laughs> But um, maybe you just had like mustard on it or something. No, yeah. I oh. didn't. I had my normal face on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Displeasing to this man. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, I I think it it's just symptomatic of the fact that she's moving through this world that doesn't treat her as a person. 
Yeah. Nobody's concerned with her emotional state. Nobody's concerned with, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Mm. What do you want out of your life? What do you not want? Would you like to be left alone? Yeah. Nobody really asks her. Yeah, it's so... I feel like they do a really a, a really good job of being fairly... Uh, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but clever in how they portray this stuff too. Yeah. Because it there's an element of this that I, I, I don't know if the trope that would become the manic pixie dream girl mm. existed then. I feel like this is this era is sort of where that starts to the, the proto formulate. Yeah. When you've got like, you know, these French movies about hot <laughs> hot flighty women. Yes. Um but like there's a there's an aspect of this where I couldn't help but read this as sort of a, a torpedoing of that trope because what the hell's his name? Carl? The boyfriend? Colin. Colin. The one the wannabe boyfriend. Yes. Colin is like as as Carol is breaking down and acting stranger mm-hmm. and stranger, Colin is still going after her and like trying to spend time with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this going like he has no idea that she is losing her goddamn mind. Yeah. He's he's just it, he's like looking at her and going like She's just so peculiar, and I find that so attractive. No, he's <laughs> just looking at her thinking, she's so beautiful. Yeah. That's it. I don't even think he's thinking peculiar. Maybe when his friends point things out, he's sort of thinking to himself, well, she's just different. She's just, you know, she's foreign and exotic. Yeah. She's not like, you know, the British women around here in London who are brash and in your face. She's delicate. She needs somebody like me to protect her delicate beauty. Yeah. Okay. I was I was thinking of as I was watching that and, and thinking about it that way. Mm-hmm. I was trying. I was thinking, man, it w- it would be funny if someone ever did a sort of skewering of that trope where this person that they think is really quirky and, and interesting mm-hmm. has something deeply wrong with them. Yeah. And then I realized <laughs> that's the entire Charlize Theron plot from season three of Arrested Development. Yes, <laughs> the Mr. F plot. Yes, and I was like, yeah, you know what. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Um, but yeah, like, and yeah. especially when he break, he busts his way into the apartment, right? Yes. She's living in squalor. Yep. She's clearly out of her mind. Yep. It's like midday. She's in a dirty nightgown that she's yeah. been wearing for days. He's literally, like, the movie from his point of view is a very different movie. Yes. That's something I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, how if you took this same plot and turned it just a little bit in a prism. It's a mm. rom-com. Oh yeah, you add some a little couple more uh jaunty 60s. Yeah, a couple pop little songs. neat cute moments between the two of them. Yeah. Even, even when um Colin is talking to her out on the sidewalk and they both lean over and bump heads. Yes. It's yeah. all these kind of cutesy moments that in a different movie would be, "Oh, look at them. They're so perfect for each other." Right. Even though they've exchanged like no words about you know, hey, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite song? Where did you grow the up? Way, the like, way there's that none he... of that. Like, <laughs> there's no interest. Yeah, I mean, there's no interest from her because she is repulsed. Yes, <laughs> but there's also no interest from him in anything deeper than let me take you to dinner, mm-hmm. let me give you a ride home, and right. then like trying to make out with her. And the way the the. <sighs> Again, as someone who's never had to deal with this, this stuff always blows my mind. But like, 
the the way that he gets angry at her because she doesn't want to go to dinner. Yep. And he, she didn't tell him or like it's just it's the kind, I I just can't fathom responding that way to another human and I know that people do it all the time. Yes. Like I I remember someone told me a story once of how they went like to uh uh, they went cross country to visit their girlfriend or something, mm-hmm. and and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we got there. Is her roommate was some stuff about and like so, I ended up sleeping on the couch, and I was so mad because we didn't have to have sex. And I'm like, <laughs> you were met. Like, wait a minute, dude, this was your girlfriend, right? Like this, <laughs> why would you get like angry about this? Yeah, I I don't know. It's just it's just a mindset that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, and it sucks that it exists. And it, and it does. And I think the insidious thing about it and the thing that this movie does so well, especially in the character of Colin, is that he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. Yes. Like he genuinely yeah. does not think he's mistreating her at all. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's being sweet. He thinks he's paying her attention in a way that a woman would like. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's courting her and that they're going to fall in love yeah. and be together. Like in Colin's mind, up until the moment he gets killed with a brass candlestick by Carol, he's the hero of this mm-hmm. movie. He's going to come and, and take her away and give her a better life. Yeah. And in, in that moment when he busts in. Yeah. It's a big romantic gesture to him, I think. Right. But. All he does is talk about himself. Yes. In that moment. Yeah. Which is. Because that's, but that's flattering, right? Like, I've missed you so much. I've I've been feeling like I'm going crazy without you. That is the wrong I just needed to see you. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like, wow, he's so devoted to her. He's so in love. and, And she's so beautiful. Right. And that's pretty much where those movies would stay. And then this movie descends straight down to, and then the minute the door is closed, she smashes him in the head several times until he's dead. Yes, she sure does. Yep. Um, <laughs> so uh, I want to know what you think about this. Hmm. Is this is is this movie about Carol dealing with uh, PTSD from an attack and hmm. a rape? Is it schizophrenia? Is it something else? I think it could be a combination of several things. I think we're not supposed to know definitively. I know from the brief skim of internet things I did before we recorded this, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people pay a lot of attention to the family photo that's Mm. shown a couple times where it zooms in on little Carol standing outside with family members around and there is a man sitting in a lawn chair and she's kind of off and behind him and she's staring at him with such a look of loathing. And everybody else in the photo is like smiling and stuff. Facing the camera and smiling and she is like this little girl really glaring daggers at this adult man. And I know there's some interpretation that he's some relative who was sexually abusing her when she was a child. Sure. I totally buy that. I would buy that the... Rape hallucinations are flashbacks to something that mm-hmm. actually happened to her. I would buy that it's all just schizophrenia mm-hmm. um, and that her psychosis has latched on to men as 
because that that's common with people who have schizophrenia. They they sort of get a certain set of ideas or problems kind of locked in in circles in their heads mm-hmm. and they fixate on them. That's why there's so many like the FBI is tapping my phone. Sure. Uh, Barack Obama is a lizard person from the moon. True. <laughs> Those sorts of things. You I'm know. sorry. I, let me just cl- clarify what I mean when I say true. <laughs> that the FBI is tapping your phones and. Yes. <laughs> Barack Obama, obviously lizard person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your words, not mine. Good night, folks. Good <laughs> taken to a cia black site no one ever hears from me again that's listen i'm just saying they don't have birth certificates on the moon that's all i'm saying (laughs) um yeah i i was i i was watching it through i found i found myself thinking uh until they showed that first dream assault sequence Mm -hmm. i was kind of thinking oh i i kind of hope they don't show you any indication of what's going on but those those scenes are so scary yeah so well done yeah i'm glad they're in there and i but i was thinking "Eh," it kind of takes away a little bit of the ambiguity that i enjoy but i was reading some there's a reading of the movie that those are not things that have happened Mm -hmm. they're just things she's afraid of happening yeah which i hadn't considered which is equally as valid and equally as scary yeah. And whatever it is that's causing this breakdown, whether or not it is just this uh uh schizophrenia that's anchored on this this fear of of men and their advances and stuff mm-hmm. or if it's a um <clears throat> reaction to a prior sexual assault, I I th- it actually increases the ambiguity of it, which I like. Yeah. The the thing that I found myself thinking though was does so if you assume that the i think i know the answer to this but either (laughs) way but if you assume that the the what you're seeing in those dream sequences are flashbacks and she has this trauma is it something that her sister knows happened and i i feel like the answer is probably no i would guess that the answer would be no yeah because I think we would then either get some more sympathy from her sister yeah. towards towards Carol. Because I think Helen is a little harsh and a little dismissive of Carol, but I don't think she doesn't care. Right, yeah. Um. Or I think even worse, you might get one of those moments where it's like, is this still about what happened with Roger or what, you know? I like, actually thought that there was a possibility that the person who attacked her or mm. assaulted her was the sister's boyfriend mm. because of how um, how much she rejects all of his things being there. Well, doesn't and she like get of, nauseous when she like finds his clothes? Yeah, she the- finds his like uh, tank top on the, on the ground yeah. and smells it and then almost and goes and throws up. Yeah. And it, and it's a it's a tank top similar to the one being worn by the guy in her dream sequence. That oh, that's a good point. Assaults her, and I actually thought it was him. Yeah, because uh, they, you know, he looks like a doughy English guy. Yeah, uh, from the sixties. <laughs> was there any other type from the sixties? Uh, skinny. Got it. That's it. Just got it. Got two. it. Just yeah. the two. Um, and so I was thinking about that, and like, because there's a lot of there's a lot of things from the boyfriend that gets sort of thrown in there, like the postcard from Pisa <laughs> that they... The giant know, phallic <clears throat> symbol. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the tank top and the and the stuff in the... The in razor. The, cup, the razor. Yeah. And so I thought that might have been a possibility. 
And I think Maybe. what's what's great is that it doesn't give you any answers. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think there's a modern version of this movie where in the first like opening scene you get some exposition from Helen where she's like, "Listen, I know what happened to you was awful, but mm-hmm. it's been five years since then. Exactly. And Uncle John's been in jail. Right. So you or really he died, need to start you living know, your life. Yeah. You need to move on." Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think the lesser version of this movie would lay it all out there that she has some sort of dark trauma in her past. Yeah. Whereas this hints at it, but also leaves it open enough that maybe not. Maybe she's just mentally ill. Maybe this is just her her brain chemistry misfiring and fucking up her life frankly yeah and i think i think what's what's really clever about the, as you were saying it it, it kind of picks up in media res of her life mm-hmm. you don't um it kind of stops you from having to provide a catalyst a, a specific catalyst obviously i guess the catalyst mm-hmm. is the sister going away and like leaving her unattended yeah but there's not like there's no single event where she gets like followed home or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like she right. is in this starting this decline when we start the movie. Yeah. And so you're just sort of picking it up as she's really going over the edge. Right. But whatever tipping point happened, whether it was just a matter of time and biology or something from her past that she couldn't lock away in her mind any longer mm-hmm. that process has already started by the time we tune in as as an audience yeah yeah and I, i'm also glad there's no moment where like before she's i mean she she probably has a page and a half of dialogue in this movie <laughs> yeah if that and i'm so i'm happy that there's no moment where like where the um the landlord is chatting her up or something i'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy she doesn't look at him and go like you know you remind me of my father. Right? Yeah. That would have been actually kind of cool, but not in this movie. Not in this movie. That's a very different movie. Yes. Um, Look what... for my inferior <laughs> remake of Repulsion. Somewhat repelled. <laughs> um, yeah, I find it interesting, too, that Carol has sort of arranged her whole life so that she can be mostly surrounded by women. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives with her sister near a convent or a church. Yeah. Um, that was the other alternate title yes. that seemed as like, oh God, why can't I just be a nun? Yeah. <laughs> and then her job as a beautician, she's in, in, in a beauty parlor where it's only women as clients. It's only women who work there. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of... I think that that makes this clear that this has been some sort of ongoing problem for her. This is not like a new thing because she's arranged her life to minimize the amount of interaction she has to have with men. Yeah. Um, The other thing I really enjoy about this movie is the, the symbolism of her. There's no symbolism in this. No, 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 no. (laughs) But you know, with all the cracks. Yes. All of the, the the cracks in the sidewalk, the cracks that when she hallucinates appear in the walls, um, the walls even becoming like soft. Yeah, that was cool. It was really yeah. cool. And then the fact that she barricades the doors all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even talks about like, I need to close up these cracks. Mm-hmm. It's like she wants to be impenetrable. Yeah. Like literally, she wants nothing to penetrate her. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? 
you know, she doesn't want to be stabbed. With what? Anything. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> no orifices, Clay. <laughs> Come on. You don't yeah. stab somebody with an orifice. <laughs> um, But I think it's well done because it, it externalizes her fear mm-hmm. in a really cool way that gives you some like neat visual moments when she is having her her crazy hallucinations in the yeah. house um and it makes it so that at, at each time a man barges into the house whether it's michael her sister's boyfriend mm-hmm. colin breaking down the door or the landlord forcing his way in with the key it's it's a rape for her yeah it's yeah. she is being intruded upon there there is something foreign that has forced its way into her sanctuary yeah, and point. i think for her it's an assault every time it's it's a sexualized assault every time yeah. which is why i think she reacts with such visceral anger and violence when it gets to the point where you know colin's busting down the door and the landlord's coming in violating her sanctuary and then trying to violate her right yeah yeah man that landlord sequence. Oh my god! <laughs> when you think skin crawling. You think Ooh. one guy in this movie could not be a complete creep, and it's like I mean, you at least think like maybe he'll come in and be an asshole. Yeah, but then he's also a creep. Yeah. Oh, I had a landlord who just liked to 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 yeah. just come uh, over. No, I did. When, I know, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I don't. I don't. No. I don't. He was this older guy who owned the building my him, no. my roommate and I lived in when we were twenty one and twenty two, mm-hmm. and he would just you know casually notice that the blinds on one of our window were broken, mm-hmm. and he'd just show up sometimes unannounced. Send him to my house. My blinds yeah. are broken. <laughs> yeah, he would just come in and be like, "I'm here to replace." I won't the even blinds. wear a shirt. I think that's what he was hoping for. Yeah, he'd be a dream come true. Play. <laughs> Wait till he sees me eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just that's that's scary because like yes, for you that must have been very scary because it's happening frequently, and this is someone who has unlimited access access to your your house. Yep. In this movie, at least the landlord is not a constant presence of intrusion. Right. right. But even still, it's like it only takes once. Yeah, and it's just to plant the idea in your head that he could just show up and unlock the door whenever he wants. Yeah. The thing that I kept kept standing out to me in these sequences when these people are barging in is like mm-hmm. they are completely ignoring the fact that this place is a disgusting mess yeah probably stinks yeah the almost land- definitely. the landlord at least somewhat pays attention somewhat. to that he at least recognizes there's a rotting rabbit corpse <laughs> but he is only concerned with it insofar as it is his building yes yeah. He's not looking at it in terms of, oh no, this poor girl needs help. Right. What something is wrong here. Yeah. Something is going on. Is she sick? What's happening? He's just like, You're not taking good care of my apartment. Yeah. He's the one where as that was happening, like when he he, he gets the money, it, it's like they, they mm-hmm. really tease you with it too. Because mm-hmm. he gets the money, he kind of is like, Oh, okay, well. All right, and like he kind of starts to maybe leave. Yeah, he like stands up yeah. and seems like maybe he'll just go. And then, of course, kind of notices she's this pretty girl. Got to go for it, man. Yeah, just sitting in her nightie, not really protesting his presence. And he goes straight, straight to 
if you have sex with me, you won't have to pay your rent. Like, there's yeah. not even, there's not even like a, a, he's not even being subtle about it. But I think that's, that's a common thing in this movie as well, where there are women who engage in relationships with men and are compensated in some way because yeah. the relationship isn't giving them anything. Right. So, you know, Helen, early on in the movie, after um, Michael has spent the night and they have had sex and she has moaned and he has stayed perfectly silent the whole time. As you do in England. Like you're supposed to when you're a man. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, it bothers me so much in movies when there are sex scenes like through the wall, like you're hearing a neighbor and you only hear the woman. <laughs> I'm just like, you're not like at least make him breathe heavily or say something. I imagine, I imagine all of those movies. There's another cut where they did put in the men sounds. Yeah. And, then, and it's like, they're like watching, everyone went, Ugh. yeah, they're watching Dale's and going, no, this is gross. <laughs> but even just have him say something like, you know, yes, darling. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but when Michael is leaving that morning, he is in a rush all of a sudden because he's got a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and Helen is saying, wait, but aren't you going to drop me off? Mm-hmm. I have to go to work when you were going to drop me off. And he says, oh, here, take a cab. And he pulls out money. Yeah. And he very pointedly gives her the money. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of this background thing where it, it, it's, it's I, I think, a fairly subtle but very interesting look at the dynamics of these relationships and how they're not always fully just predatory that there's like a symbiosis at times Mm -hmm. between maybe this man is going to get what he wants but in return this woman can maybe get something she wants or needs yeah well it's also implying there's uh prostitution uh overtones to it as well you know yeah, I mean, I I don't even know if I would say prostitution so much as the fact that, like... I'm not saying she is actively being no, a prostitute, no, 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 but no. the fact that he's that sequence is very much, right. thanks for the good time, here's 15 bucks, yeah. you know, but I money's think on the dresser. A lot of... It's easy to forget that, like, the institution of marriage is fundamentally an economic one. That's Yeah. Like, that's where it came from. It right. was, you know, you will provide a certain set of economic benefits to the household and then i will provide a different set Mm -hmm. um and those have evolved over time but ultimately that's kind of where it started and i think it's highlighting that these relationships between men and women aren't always of love or even just lust Mm -hmm. that there is like a social pressure to engage in this type of exchange yeah and i think that makes it even worse for carol Mm -hmm. because then it's not even just all these predatory men coming at her and all these other women going, yeah, I know. Aren't they awful? (laughs) Like, wouldn't it be great if they all just stopped doing that? Yeah. The women don't understand her then either. And I think that might be ultimately what really pushes her over the edge towards the end Mm. because she goes back to work or she tries to go back to work one final time. And there's this other woman, young woman she works with, and they've seen seemed kind of friendly the whole the whole movie, not necessarily like best friends, but like they get along well. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting down in the break room, and the coworker is kind of helping her get her uniform off and helping her get dressed and saying, "Well, what's wrong? You, you know, you tell me what's happening." And she's like bawling her eyes out, right? She's crying. That happened earlier. Oh, okay. And 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 Carol kind of comforted her right. or tried to comfort her. This is later on. Oh, okay, um, sure. And she's trying to cheer Carol up. 
she's the only person in the whole movie who's like what's if you you know what's wrong tell me what's wrong maybe maybe this will help you maybe like like she's concerned with carol's emotional state Mm -hmm. and she suggests well you know you've been stuck in the house all day for days you should go see a movie you should go to the theater go see a movie yeah and you can see the moment where carol thinks this woman is inviting her to the movies oh really i missed that yeah and she's like really i would love that not that's a great idea i'll yeah, go yeah. it's i would love that that's how you respond when you're excited that the person you like has asked you on a date right yeah and they start talking and and the coworkers. that's why i no, didn't notice it because no one has ever responded <laughs> that way to me <laughs> you say no one's ever asked you on a date it's like also you true. are a liar <laughs> um but there's they start talking and, and the coworkers talking about this charlie chaplin movie and how mm-hmm. funny it is and how much carol would love it and they start like genuinely really laughing together and it seems like a moment where Carol might be able to pull herself yeah. out of what's happening to her. And then the coworker says, oh, Roger just loved it. Yeah. And it's like the yeah. boyfriend that she thought they had broken up and they're back together. And it immediately switched. Like, it's, like, it's like a switch comes on yeah. or turns off. And Carol just completely shuts down again. And then she just goes home and locks herself back in the that's, apartment. That's another version of this movie is when... <laughs> That you might also have experience with. What if uh, <laughs> when when Carol gets a friend <laughs> from the friend's perspective? Yeah, <clears throat> but it's so sad because it's yeah. it's she thinks that she's maybe gonna have somebody in the world, right? Yeah, and then it it turns out nope, she's also kind of engaged in. I think what to Carol seems like this sick game between men and women. Yeah, and isn't um. I might just be uh, making this up to prove to serve my point, but sure. um, isn't the scene where she cuts the woman's Ooh, yeah. finger? That's the the thing that she's telling the girl who was crying is is basically like, do whatever he says and just say you're sorry, essentially, right, or something like. That. Isn't she? Is she not? Oh, oh, you mean the woman who's getting pampered yeah isn't isn't she's kind of like she's very much someone who is aware of the more transactional nature of relationships i don't know if this is the exact same woman who who carol cuts her her finger during the the manicure i think it's the same woman every time yeah i could be wrong but i think it is but even if it's a different woman i think the fact that they're indistinguishable is also interesting yes um, because they're always kind of swaddled in white towels and they've got mm-hmm. goop on their faces and cucumbers over their eyes. Like they're almost like dehumanized and yeah. just become this sort of jaded figure of older womanhood. It was so interesting to me because that first scene in the, when they show the woman lying on the table, mm-hmm. like I knew what I was looking at. But it's still so weird. <laughs> I knew I knew what I was looking at was a woman with some sort of facial mask on with like cucumbers on her eyes at a spa. But yep. the way they shoot it, it's like she's a dead body. Yeah. Like it felt like it was a morgue. Yeah. Even though I knew exact I knew exactly what I was looking at, but for some reason I was registering morgue in my brain. Yeah. That's fair. Um but yeah, doesn't she, she says something like, um, that men are all like little boys. They just want to be spanked and then given sweets yes, or something like yeah. that. So yeah, she, she's, I think she tells the coworker to like be patient or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, stand firm and he'll come crawling back to you. Right. Yeah. And then he'll want to take you out and he'll want to do this and that for you. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think this movie is saying so many interesting things about relationships between men and women, especially I think at that period in time. Yeah. I don't know how many of these things are on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how many of them are just incidental? It it doesn't feel like there's a lot of accidents in this movie. Like, That's fair. It, it yeah. feels like all of the symbolism is oh yeah on purpose. I mean, all of the interaction she's having with these different aspects of male female relationships seems on purpose. Um, yeah, I I uh, I I found the the Helen and her boyfriend thing to be very interesting Mm. um do you think she knows he has a husband i mean sorry has a wife yeah does she explicitly say she does carol says like but he's married oh she does okay and helen says well it's my you know this is my business yeah yeah and that's that's fascinating too because it's like what does what is she getting out of this relationship because i think there's a read I think there's a read that money for cabs, trips to Italy, yeah, fancy dinners true, out. True, because I I was gonna go the more, um, quote unquote traditional <laughs> route and say like there's a read that she is the older sister. She's probably in her thirties, maybe. Yeah. Unmarried. Yep. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised that they don't play her as someone who is like desperate for a husband kind of thing Mm. because that's also I think a route they could uh, kind of it's something they don't really touch on yeah because I think I actually think it's more interesting that they have her in this relationship where it's like yeah I mean there's really no future to this relationship but she's Uh. well I mean you know I'm sure sure he's telling her he's going to leave his wife all the time but yeah. But, you know, it's it's clearly something she's getting something else out of it other than the platonic ideal of right. a husband or I don't know, maybe she's getting. Well, I know she's not getting all the good stuff about being married because he sucks. But <laughs> but at the same time, she's not getting all the bad stuff. Of That's being true. Married, yeah, you know, she's, she doesn't have to keep house for him. She doesn't have to do his laundry. She's not, you know, taking care of any of his children that they've had together. Mm -hmm. She's not dealing with him when he's cranky because he just got back from work. Mm -hmm. Like, he's doing all the fun stuff with her, and the wife's getting none of it. How did he get away for, like, six weeks to Italy? Work. Yeah. Just say it's your job. You know, my... my, Especially, I think, in Europe where traveling between countries is a little bit more the norm. He's probably a salesman or something. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter in the movie, but I what did you think of another reason that I thought maybe they were trying to imply that he was behind her possibly attacking her mm. was I found it so strange at the end that he is the person who picks her up. Yes. And I, I, I didn't know what what did you think about that? That was actually gonna be one of my questions as well, because mm-hmm. that moment is so strange. Yeah. Like by this point, she has been alone for a couple weeks. She's killed Colin. She's killed the landlord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's been hallucinating hands coming out of walls to grope at her and, and being raped in her room and all of this stuff. And they find her under her bed, under Helen's bed, mm-hmm. catatonic. Yeah. And Michael, the boyfriend, is the one who picks her up and carries her out. And there's this weird moment, and I would, I'm would i really curious how it reads to you, 
where the camera pauses and kind of goes from over his shoulder to look at her face. Yeah. And her eyes are open and she's just staring. And then the camera angle switches so you can see his face. Mm. And he's got this really weird. Do we lose it? Are we back? No, we I don't know what happened. That was strange. Um, well, the camera angle switches and it looks at his face and he's got this really weird expression. Yeah. Where he's not. I think there's, you could interpret it many ways. Maybe I'm reading, probably I'm reading way too much into it. But he looks almost pleased. Mm. Or like satisfied somehow. Or I don't know. He sort of stares down at her and she stares up at him. And she's just limp and docile like a doll. And he seems almost like, oh, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird, it's such a weird moment. And I think it's a very purposeful choice to have the last moment of the movie be these two characters specifically Mm -hmm. staring at each other. I don't really know what it means. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, Because there is something about him being the first. Because even everybody who piles their way into Mm -hmm. into the apartment to kind of gawk at her yeah again nobody is paying any sort of attention to her they keep saying don't touch her right which is something they always say at these things but here at the context feels a little bit different yes because they are again treating her like an object and just to to gawk at yeah and him being the only person in the whole movie who really makes an attempt to consider her yeah and like take her out of the situation is interesting yeah um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what you're supposed to take from that at the end. I mean, in a weird way, he is probably one of the only characters, especially amongst the men, who is pretty honest about who he is and what he wants. That's true. Yeah. You know, like he, he's, he's honest in his dishonesty. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not, it's not a secret that he's married. Right. You know, he he's not fully honest with Helen, but he also is more upfront about what he wants mm-hmm. from her and even more upfront about what he wants from Carol, where he's like, she should be nicer to me. <laughs> I want her to smile at me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish she'd get off her high horse. And, and, she should and, change her face. Yeah. Fix, fix her face. <laughs> fix her face. Yeah. yeah. Whereas other people kind of try to couch it as, well, I was just trying to be nice. Right. And in yeah. a way he's like, no, no, no. I think you should be nicer to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like at yeah. least, at least he's an upfront asshole. Right. Like a self-aware asshole to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying he's a, he's, he's the good guy in the movie, but I think there's something about the fact that he's very aware of who he is mm. and what women are to him mm-hmm. that makes him a more honest character than many of the others. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, this movie, I think, is I I found myself very taken by how this movie was filmed. Mm. I th- I thought it was like really really um, well composed, yeah, and it moves really well. <clears throat> I didn't find it to be boring at all, and it's just it was it was a kind of it was a kind of filmmaking that I was surprised had so much energy to it. 
Mm. And I know this is, you know, just an kind of an ageist thing to say, but for a, a, a movie from 1965, I thought it had a lot of zip to it in a way that I was, it felt more modern than I was expecting. Yeah, I think especially where we, um, we just recently for the Patreon coverage did uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> which is a newer movie than this one by mm-hmm. about like 10 years. Yeah. And yep, yet about... it feels much older. <laughs> yeah, Flesh for Frankenstein is, is kind it's of... It's a bit of a period piece. Yeah, so and it's yeah. deliberately... I think compo- more composed. Sure. Where everything is supposed to feel a bit more like a painting to a Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, these are not, this is not a good comparison. It's more <laughs> just, this is the last movie we sure, watched. yes. We watched together and uh, it's just interesting in my head of like how modern this one felt yeah. in comparison. Well, I, you, you mentioned it earlier. Is there, I, I think there's a lot of this movie in possession as well. Yeah. Which we covered in February. Yeah, I mean- and it is interesting how close they feel, even though they're fifteen or twenty years apart. Yeah, um, I like I feel I feel like um, Heinrich from Possession, mm-hmm. the flamboyant. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, the paramour. Lover. Yes. Yeah, I feel like he would be right at home in this movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, hanging out in the bar with those guys. Yes, yeah, yeah. talking about the philosophies of women or whatever. Um, an interesting thing about this movie and its pacing, though, is the fact that a lot of the scenes are really slow, mm. which is not to say that they lack energy or they're not interesting, mm-hmm. but it lingers. Yeah. It kind of forces you to sit in Carol's apartment and, and wait. Like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to pay attention. They, they It lets things stretch out, especially yeah. I'm thinking of the scene with the landlord mm. where yes. between when he first gets to the door and when she kills him, that's a long segment of the movie. Yeah. You know, this isn't a super long movie and that's a good like 20 minutes of this movie of just him coming yeah. in mm-hmm. and talking to her mm-hmm. and hanging out and the tension building. So things are happening but it's not action packed. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you if you broke this movie down I think, you know, with with the major scenes it would all seem kind of flat on paper. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I I think the trick that it pulls that's really fascinating is that it keeps you engaged yeah. despite the fact that you're oftentimes just sitting in a room looking at that's the Catherine Deneuve's beautiful face. Yeah, so much of it. I mean, it's 80% just in the apartment. Yeah. And they manage... Ironing without the iron plug yes. in. Uh, and, they, and they manage to keep it interesting... Even before the arms start bursting through the wall, which mm-hmm. is really great, or like, creepy men start popping up in the mirror over your shoulder. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned this when we were when we were watching the movie last night. I would love to know, and if anybody out there happens to know this bit of trivia, please inform me. I would love to know the uh, history and the etymology, if you will, mm. of the closed mirror jump scare. Yeah, where you close the mirror and there's somebody behind you. Yep. What was the first movie to do that? Because yeah, like, you got to think like 1965. They've only been making movies for 40 years at this point. Yeah. Like Hollywood only has existed for well, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Real in modern sense. Yes. So, what is the like? There has to be an answer to this because yeah. the entirety of the history of cinema is documented like the, right. all, it all exists by yes. its very nature <laughs> so i would love to know if anybody 
can follow that that trope back to its origin point. I'd be curious to see if it was like some yeah silent movie. <laughs> I could see that because I think mirrors were a big part of how early special effects were done. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see that happening in a movie from like 1922. Yeah. Like yeah. Charlie Chaplin brushing his teeth and then he closes the mirror and there's a, like a werewolf behind him. Or yeah. Something. <laughs> that that much forgotten Charlie Chaplin meets the werewolf movie. Somebody better make that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I think the, uh, uh, I think this, this, the so would you consider this a horror movie so that's a great question for this movie specifically mm-hmm. um, i think it's a tough one for this movie. I, it is yeah. uh, greg was very adamant that he does not think it is one mm-hmm. i am somewhere on the fence yeah i think i think i'm gonna say yes mm-hmm. because i feel like i've said yes for for movies like uh whatever happened to baby jane and, mm-hmm. and such where I also think there's a kind of similar where the horror of it is what the human mind can do to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough. I yeah. don't know. What do you, what do you, are you on a yes or a no? Um, I'm going to say yes, because I feel like up until I think the surrealism of it is what puts it over the top for me. Yes. Because yeah. up until the arms start coming out of the walls, I would say probably no. Yeah. But once they cross into, all right, now the rooms are changing sizes and right. the, the walls are have people bursting out of them. Yeah. I think that's, that's the supernatural element, even though it's not literally supernatural and that mm-hmm. it is a supernatural phenomenon. I think that's enough for me to say like, yeah, I would count this. Yeah. I think I would also say because of the rape scenes yes yeah i think they're just so horrifying um it reminds me a bit of martin oh yeah sure yeah um where there's not necessarily anything supernatural that's definite going on Mm -hmm. but everything that's happening is still disturbing yeah 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 i thought those were really effective those yeah the way the sound cuts out yeah um and that is something I found really interesting in this movie is the the moments where there were there was music and then the moments where there were not. Yeah. Because there's there's music a lot when she's sort of walking around outside in London. Mm-hmm. And then when she's inside the apartment, it's just like every ambient sound is just like cranked up to 11. Mm. Like the voices from the next door neighbors, uh, the neighbor's dog barking, the clock ticking, like mm-hmm. every little sound that's just like yeah you live in a city is like street corner hand bone street corner hand boning literal boning in the room next door (laughs) um is all so like loud and jarring but there's rarely if ever any music when she's in the apartment yeah that's a good point yeah um i forgot what i was gonna say uh (laughs) yeah i think i would put it (laughs) just shut off like carol did (laughs) Which, uh, how do you feel about the placement on the list? Uh, that's Very high. It's way too high for me. Yeah. I, so. It's, it's, it's so hard because I appreciate that it's a beautifully done movie and obviously there's a lot thematically. I think it's had a big effect on sort of the, the DNA of other movies that have that's come later. Yeah. But like 29. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a movie that gets you into that space of is it worth more as a um, foundational text mm-hmm. than it is as a, a straight up scary movie. Like mm-hmm. when we get into the top ten of this list, mm-hmm. I think like five of them are silent films, which. Huh. I'm not saying those are bad because I love the, uh, you know, Nosferatu, still scary. But, yeah. But I think there's a certain point where you can be like, yeah. Right. Like it should be on the list, but maybe it's on the list because it helped inspire what came later. Yeah. You've got stuff like something like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which mm. is still very creepy, but yeah. it's not necessarily scary in the way the traditional sense that movies are now. Right. That I feel like that is as high as it is purely because of it being a bedrock text yes. for the movies that come after it. Yeah. And this, I think, probably has a lot of that behind it because sure. I think this is a pretty foundational text for the House of Psychotic Women sort of yes. movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... I think, yeah, 29. Is that what it was, 29? Yeah. that's That feels too high for me. If you told me it was 49, I'd be like, sure. I was just going to say like around 50, yeah. I think I would be okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for Repulsion. Mm. I hit the, you know, I think I would like to watch this again. I don't know. Because th- I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Yeah. And it's, yeah, man. I, I per, think yeah. personal life aside, that this dude can make a fucking movie, man. Yeah. Um sorry, what were you gonna say? No, just I I totally agree. I think there's a lot going on in it. I think visually it's very subtle and it's also very dense. Yeah. Like like the subtlety keeps you from being hit by it all at once. So I think it helps to sort of I think that's why the long scenes work so well. Yeah. Is because it allows you to absorb more and more as you kind of sit in those moments. So uh only his second movie? Yeah, wild. First English language movie. You know, he's got a such a weird filmography. <laughs> he's, he seems like a weird dude. He's got arguably if you want to count this as one of them, three of the the most important best movies of the 20th, 20th century. Mm. You've got Repulsion. Mm-hmm. You've got Rosemary's Baby. I mean, even the, Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown by themselves yeah. are enough to skate on for the rest of your career. Yeah. Barring any... <laughs> Assaults of a Difficult minor. personal things. <laughs> but like, he's got so much other weird shit in there that I feel like yeah. no one has ever talks about. He has a movie that I watched years ago called The Fearless Vampire Killers. Oh, I've heard of it, but I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, which is like kind of like a send-up of Hammer Films, sort of. But then he also, didn't he do The Pianist? Yes, he did. Yeah. Which is like a beautiful and heartbreaking movie. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it will ruin you for the next several days, but it's lovely while it does it. Yeah, he's got like a much more interesting later career. Yeah. I, I feel like after Rosemary's Baby hits and he becomes Austin Powers, basically, <laughs> uh, he's just is making weird shit yeah and just doing whatever and hanging out with bruce lee and hanging out with 13 year old girls yeah. <laughs> and then of course the manson thing happens and yeah yeah it's just he's he's a strange it's a he's a strange figure in in film history 
who yeah. is very good at making films. And what what like a what a horrible like tragic but also needlessly harmful but also wildly productive life. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to say it. Needlessly harmful but wildly productive. Yeah, it's like <laughs> but also very tragic. Like the, you yes. know, he survived the Holocaust. Like I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. like like obviously a person who has had some some deep damage in his own mind from a very young age so it's it's really tough to judge somebody like him because it's like i i tend to believe given the amount of reports against him for his behavior towards women that he's Mm -hmm. probably done some unsavory shit to say the least yeah but at the same time it's like i i don't know i i don't think that means we should discount everything he's done yeah i mean that's the the thing you have to grapple with right right if you if you're able to to separate those things yeah i i tend to sometimes it's difficult yeah i tend to be able to separate it to an extent but there are some there's where it's just like it's very difficult to to set like i yeah really do you do you stop watching any movie produced by harvey weinstein i think that's a tough one to it's it's a tough one to parse out because yeah. like what does that even mean like, right this, you know, right you know I, I don't even register his name i mean i do now like yes because prior of, yeah. to <laughs> but it's like i'm not gonna not watch scream right because his name is in the credit that was him right miramax uh, is that him? Probably. i don't remember but you know what i mean yeah um but like there's some things where it's like i I don't know what to think of Michael Jackson at this point. Right. But that has never stopped me from enjoying his music. Right. I'm sure there are moral arguments to be made that it should, but I don't know. It's just personally. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, as as not being someone who was uh, a victim of one of these predators right. or having any connection to that, it's a lot right. easier for me to do that. Yeah, it's much easier to just... And there is sort of the argument of like if we started doing this with every person who had done oh, yeah. something wrong, yeah. like no, what are you, what are you kind of left with? Art in general would yeah. be canceled. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he, Polanski's got this. He he did uh, uh, Knife in the Water, which uh-huh. is his first movie, which is is very good. Repulsion. He made a, uh, apparently he did Repulsion specifically because he knew it would make money, hmm. which would allow him to make this next movie, Cul de Sac. Oh, that he was like a really personal picture huh. that nobody ever talks about. <laughs> then the next thing he does is the Fearless Vampire Killers, which huh. is either where he meets Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. or I mean she's in it. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know if that's where they meet or if he met her and then they were together and then he made this movie with her in it. Yeah. Then Rosemary's Baby. Then he does Macbeth, which I, I would like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, then he does a movie called What, which seems to be some sort of like Italian romp. Then sure. Chinatown and The Tenant. And then, uh, oh, he did Frantic. I forgot about Frantic with Harrison Ford. That was oh. 88. Uh, yeah, then he he doesn't do anything really of note until the Ninth Gate in 1999. Oh God, yeah. Uh, the Pianist is 2002. The Ghost Rider, I think that wasn't was, I think was it the one like Pierce Brosnan was nominated for an Academy Award oh, for that? I, I think. Do not know. Anyway, I mean he's he's 
he's made the last movie he made was 2019 so he's still making stuff i don't know who's watching him (laughs) or if they're any good but he's got like he's really got two all-timers yeah and then everything else is just sort of all over the place yeah which interesting to say the least absolutely um so I've hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. And next time we will be doing. I've got some bad news for you. Oh. It's getting warmer out. I don't want you to be too tempted if you see a frozen lake to go walking on that <laughs> lake because I got bad news for you, Amanda. The ice is going to break. Oh, God. We're doing David Cronenberg's <laughs> The Dead Zone, starring Perfect. Christopher Walken. In one of his finest, actually, perfect, really interesting trivia fact about the Dead Zone: hmm. the last leading role for Christopher Walken. <gasps> he has never had a leading role since. Wow! Yeah. Take that how you will. Well, uh, my anyway. mind is blown. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to help support the show, head over to the Penske so, Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskeFile, where you can uh, follow Amanda and I as we. Discuss video nasties this year, once a month. January was Dario Argento's Tenebrae. February was Possession. March was Flesh for Frankenstein. April is Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Got to get nice and goopy in this month (laughs) or next month. Um, As one should in April. Yes. Yes. So uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.